Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Kevin. My wife Sharon and I, we lead the congregation down in Burgess Hill. Um, so we got a bit of flavours from everywhere today. Anna's here from Crawley. I'm here from Burgess Hill. And all of you guys are here from Horsham. And everyone watching, you're there from everywhere. So we're glad you're here with us. So glad to be here. Uh, if you don't know, we've been in a series in the past few weeks called The King is Coming. Look at that, beautiful on the screen. The King is Coming. And today is actually our last week in that series. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at different aspects of the king is coming. The first week, we called it Look Up, and we looked at how the king that came was different from any other king, if you remember that. He was different from any other king, and he did not only come, but he will come again, and he's preparing us, his bride, his church, for that moment when he returns. And last week, we looked at the king coming, and we called it, the king is coming, look in. And Pastor Jonathan from our Worthing congregation gave this great message about how much we need to make room in the ends of our lives, in our hearts, for that king, for him to use us. And today, we want to put all of that together, and today is called Look Out. We've looked up, we've looked in, now we want to look out. And we want to put everything that we've learned and direct it towards others today. Is that all right? Yes. I've got a yes from people. We can move forward. (laughs) Great. Great. Everything that we've learned, we want to direct it towards others today. Have you ever heard this sentence, good news travels fast? Have you ever heard that? Yes. Yes, we've heard it. I'm sure that sentence, that phrase has been used uh, for many, many years, but actually I don't think there's been a time where it's as true as today, right? Between, like news can spread so fast these days, right? There's social media, WhatsApp, text, email lists. I mean, who still uses emails? I don't know. At work, we still do. I never answer them. Um, That's probably not so good, but it's another thing to do. I mean, with a few clicks, I can answer, uh, I can send a text to all my contacts in my phone. How how mind-blowing is that? That's a way to spread news very fast. It's actually funny because The guys who know me on a more personal level than just being here this morning will know that I am terrible. I mean, terrible at replying to messages. They will send me a text and I will actually see them in person a few days later before I answer the text. And it's very awkward because I have to say, hey, mate, how you doing? Oh, I still owe you a text, don't I? But but text messages are so complicated because they they never seem to come at the right moment. Have you ever seen that? You in a conversation with someone, I digress. Good news travels fast as long as you don't rely on Kevin. You can, you, you can, yeah, that's, that's the point. That's the point. Also, realistically, I don't know what I would ever send to all my contacts at once, but we know it's a way to make news travel fast. And although they didn't have social media on the very first Christmas or they didn't have email lists, WhatsApp, whatever, people started spreading good news. We see in Luke 2, Uh, chapter 2 verse 15 to 18 it says this when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, we see that the shepherds are going to this place and they hear the good news. They see the fulfillment of the promise and then they are compelled, right? They can't hold it to themselves and suddenly they're running everywhere and they're like, we got to tell the good news. we got to spread this news that we've heard. We are, the shepherds are those messengers that are telling people about the good news. Why would they keep that a secret? I mean, a savior was born. The Messiah was in their midst. This wasn't good news or great news. It was amazing, fantastic, stupendous, awesome news. I mean, so of course, of course they go and they run everywhere and they go tell the good news of the Savior being born. I mean, why wouldn't they? So it begs the question, if this news is still true today, if we as believers believe that the king is still alive, still saves, if he's coming back for his children, for his church, then just like the shepherds, we might need to ask ourselves, who in our world needs to hear this good news, right? A few verses above the shepherds going to spread the news we read in Luke 2 still. Verse 10 and 12, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This news is good news. It says that it will cause great joy to all people. Jesus came to earth and laid down everything that he was. He came as a baby so that our lives would forever be transformed. Isn't that amazing? Anyone? Aren't you amazed by that? Isn't that good news? And as I said, the shepherds went and ran everywhere and they told everyone they could meet. They simply, simply couldn't contain their amazement, their joy about it. And we've been mentioning over this series that the king is coming and he's coming for his bride, which is true, but not only. See, he's also coming to add to his brides, to add to the church. He wants as many to be part of the church when he comes back. Luke 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants to offer life and life in abundance to people, to the world. The king is coming where? Wherever the sheep have gone astray. Wherever the sheep have gone astray. I love the parable of the lost sheep. You see God's heart in it. His heart is so clear. He, he will leave the 99 to go after the one. The one is so important. He values every life. Everyone matters. He wants everyone to have eternal life. And we are the messengers. We are the messengers the ones like the shepherds that are ready to tell anyone who will listen. Your life can be transformed because a Savior was born. So who are those people that we are looking out to, that we want to reach out to? Because as we said, and I've made it clear, I hope you're there with me, this news isn't meant to be kept for ourselves. This news needs to go public. And actually, the message translation in Matthew 5 says it like this. 
verse 14 to 16. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We go in public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening, opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful verse? So good. There's one sentence that really stood out to me when I read that translation. And it says, now that I've, told, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And those are the three points we're going to briefly look at today. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. So first, we got shine. Can you say shine with me? Shine. shine. At home, say shine. Great job saying shine, people. We heard you. We heard you all the way down here. We are called to shine. Now, how do we shine? Here's a Quote by a famous writer, her name is Madeleine Lengel. She wrote um, A Wrinkle in Time. And she, she says about, about shining, she says, We draw people to Christ, not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are or how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. We have that light inside of us. In fact, we have the source of that light inside of us. And we have the Holy Spirit, right? He's the one who helps us let our light shine. We have to show that light so people would know and have an opportunity to know what the light is about. John 16, 7 and 8 says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, that's Jesus speaking, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness and judgment. See, the spirit brings the world to God. The spirit operates where? From where? From within us, right? So living by the spirit means letting our light shine. And what does, what does that practically look like? How can we live a life shining bright? Well, shining means living with open arms. It means living our lives open to others, being real, being open, honest, being generous, encouraging, all those, all those things that today might seem a bit counter-cultural. The truth is our lives led by the Spirit, our lives li lived as a light are a counterculture. Where people are drowning in darkness, we overflow with light, we shine. Where people panic and fear, we are people of peace. Where people are angry and frustrated, we are a people of joy. And every aspect of our life can become a testimony to the light that is in us. As we let our light shine, it speaks to people. It impacts them and draws them to it. And we see the reference to this light. It's prevalent all throughout the Bible. Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 2, predicted the coming of our Savior. And he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And of course, we know that at the time of the birth of Jesus, 
There was already a light shining there, right? It says in Matthew 2, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. This light was shining over the birth of our Savior. The light was already there in the darkness. And Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. And as Christians, we are little Christ, right? That's what it means. So it's like we little lights shining wherever we are. So let's not hide that light this Christmas. Secondly, remember we have three points. First was shine. Secondly, the verse that we read prompts us to keep an open house. Can you say open house with me? Open house. Oh, oh, come on, you got to give it some, some oomph a bit, like, like you believe it. Open house. open house. All right, we're getting there. We're getting there. By point three, I want you to scream, all right? Okay, cool. The verse prompts us to keep an open house. And, and we know as a church, over time, God has really highlighted the importance of the home, of, a, of our house. Opening our homes, but also putting Him at the center of our home life. And it's been interesting doing church in the home in Burgess Hill over the last few months because we have hosts and hosts open up their home for people to come in and suddenly they have uh, uh, the service in the living room and the living room is full of people worshipping and, and, and hearing the word and then praying for one another. And it's so beautiful to see that happen in someone's home. But more than all of that, opening our homes also means being ready to welcome those who don't know yet Jesus into our homes. People who do not yet know Jesus. Perhaps that looks like inviting your neighbor over to dinner or, or having your kids' friends over at your house. What we need to remember is as we shine and we open our homes, people are impacted by that light. I, I remember as a teenager going through school, I was like, I don't know, all throughout my secondary school, I had this group of friends and we were quite tight. We would always hang out together and we, we're still friends today. And actually, I was... I was um, the only Christian in that group of friends. And somehow, the guys throughout the years would always end up at my house. And, and I found that interesting because some of the guys had bigger houses, bigger TVs, more games. And, uh, but we always seemed to end up, end up mostly at mine. And I remember all of them saying at different points throughout the years, we love coming here. We love coming here. There's something about your home. There's something about being at yours that's different. And even though they couldn't put words to it or pinpoint exactly what it was, having our homes open impacts people. It, it, there is something of the presence of God in that house that does something to people. They knew something was different. Opening our house means letting people into our lives, into who we are. Our lives are a window to a different way of living and our homes reflect that. One of the parables that Jesus shared is called the Great Banquet. We found it in Luke 14. We're going to read it together if that's okay. I'll start from verse 15. It's going to come up on the screen. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, 
he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yokes of oxen, yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly in the streets, alleys of the town, bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. He must have had a big house. There is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, can we just acknowledge how interesting the excuses of people were? Like they could have worked on it a bit more, I think. Um, but, but the parable is often interpreted as, as the, the Jews rejecting Jesus and opening, uh, opening up the way for the Gentiles to be saved, right? But the principles at work here are very simple. We have a great banquet to offer people. Life like they've never seen it, never known it. And if we open our homes, our lives, for people to see, we share the truth of who Jesus is with them. We compel them. It says in that verse, doesn't it? Compel them to take part in the good that Jesus offers them. Compel them to come so that my house is full, it says. We want our homes, our lives, to have people that don't know Jesus yet in them. Find the ones that are in need in life. Bring them into our homes, bring them into our lives. We want to live open lives with open homes. Our homes should be salvation ground somehow. Our third point is to be generous with our lives. Shine, keep open house, be generous with our lives. Shall we try it? Can you say be generous with me? Uh, you were supposed to be all warmed up, all ready. All right, let's try again. Can you say, be generous? be generous? All right. I've been reading this book. It's called Bless, and uh, it's written by Ferguson something. And uh, it talks about a, a strategy, if you'd like, or whatever you want to call it, about reaching the lives of those around us. And he's essentially saying exactly what that verse is saying. Let's be generous with the lives that we live. He shares this simple story to illustrate what he's talking about. And so I'm going to read from the book right now. It says, blesses versus converters. That was the subject line in the email I, sent, I was sent. I didn't know who had sent it, but as I read the contents, I could see why he was so excited about, about his doctoral dissertation. This might be the first time I've heard, I've ever used, sorry, um, the terms excitement and doctoral dissertation in the same sentence. The center shared a single chapter titled Blessers versus Converters that cited research based on two teams of missionaries who went to Thailand. While both teams went with similar goals, they carried two distinctly different strategies. They were the converters group. They went with the sole intention of converting people and evangelizing. Their goal was to save souls. The blessers group explained their intentions like this. We are here to bless whoever God sends our way. 
The study followed both the converters and the blessers for two years. At the end of that time, the researchers discovered two key findings. First, the presence of the blessers in the community resulted in tremendous amounts of social good. It appeared, according to the study, that this group contributed to the betterment of society, community life, and the creation of social capital. The presence of the converters, however, seemed to have made no real difference. The second discovery, and this was very surprising, was that the blessers saw 48 conversions while the converters only saw one. The blessers group saw almost 50 times as many conversions through being a blessing than the group that was only there trying to convert people. The bottom line is this, the best way to accomplish Jesus' mission of helping people love each other and come to know the love of God is for his people to become blessers. God calls us to be generous with the way we live our lives. And, and I'm not talking about finances here or anything like that. See, maybe it's not just about sharing the good news of Jesus, but it's thinking about how our lives daily can be a blessing to those around us. How can we help those in need? How can we make a difference to our neighbors, colleagues, friends, family, whoever, to our world? There are probably very practical ways that are already firing up in your head. Isn't it incredible that we can not only tell people about the love of Jesus, but also show them what that love is like? See, Jesus' entire life was a blessing to those around him. He didn't just share the good news. He showed what it, mean, what it meant to live in the good of that news. What looked like interruptions in his life were actually opportunities to bless people around him. I know, I know we've, heard, we've heard the story of Zacchaeus a lot lately in our past series, Culture of Grace. We've used this so multiple times, but I just want to look at the beginning of it together again today. It says in Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. We see there at the very beginning of this story that Jesus was just passing through, right? He was passing through Jericho. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, right? So he was just passing through. And to me, that suggests that he wasn't planning on staying there. He wasn't planning on making a stop in Jericho. He was just passing through on his way to somewhere else. But Jesus sees Zacchaeus and sees an opportunity to let his light shine, to be a blessing to a lost one. And it's actually at the end of that story of Zacchaeus that we see Jesus state clearly his mission. And we read that verse earlier. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We are called to save the lost. Christmas is all about a savior. The king is coming. It's about salvation, hope, about transformation. It's about light shining in the darkness so that all could come to it. We've printed some uh, window one cards today. Um, we've used them in the past. We've printed some today. You should have some on your seat uh, at home. If you're watching, uh, you should have, they should have made their way to you. 
Uh, and if not, please email info at kingdomfaith.com and I'm sure we can make a digital version appear in your email box or something. But on those cards, you'll see a few prayer points on how to pray for people that uh, don't yet know Jesus. They're like a guideline if you'd like. And you can write the name of three people. And um, we have to be intentional about this, right? So as you have your Christmas break and you have maybe some free time to think, to pray, to spend with God, just ask him, Father, who are those people that you want me to be praying for right now? How can I be a blessing to them? Like, attach an action to your prayer. How can I be a blessing to those people around me? Because it all starts with prayer, right? Start sowing in prayer. Start sowing for those people in prayer. And this simple step, as I said, laid out on this card. We want to make a difference to the world around us, don't we? We want to let our light shine. We want to welcome people into our lives, into our home. Keeping up with COVID rules and all that. But we want to welcome people into our homes. We want to be generous with the way we live. Because this news isn't meant to be kept for ourselves. It's meant to go public. The shepherds went first thing after they heard, they ran. They ran off and told everyone they could find. And all were amazed, right? This is a source of great joy to all people. There's a famous carol that summarizes perfectly the series that we've been in. And I'm not going to sing it because Toby would kick me out the room. But it says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Now those few sentences summarize perfectly what we've been doing. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. What does that speak out? It's the lookout part, right? It's, it's saying, hey, there is joy for the world. Your Lord has come. Let earth receive the king. It's an announcement to anyone who wants to hear is the lookout part. Then let every heart prepare him room. What does that speak of? Is the look in. You know, God, how much, how much is there space for you in my heart, in my life? What do you want me to do? Is the look in part. And heaven and nature sing. Finally, we look up. We praise and worship God. Is this looking up part. That is what we are called to do. And before we finish this morning... I'd just like us to pray together. And as we pray, just be thinking about those people maybe that can go on your card. Be thinking about a, a way for your life to be generous in this Christmas season. To live your life openly. That it's not, you know, just about the presents or the good food, although I love all of that. But this season is about a saviour. A saviour that's come and that can still come today in everyone's life who would accept him. So let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for this good news, this good news that you brought to us. News of life that can be transformed. You bring hope. You bring hope to those who were lost. You brought hope to my life, Jesus. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray as we go in into this Christmas break that you would help us not just look at ourselves and how good our lives are, how celebrate with our families, etc., but also look out. 
Help us to look out, to turn our eyes towards all those around us. Father, just speak to us about how we can let our light shine. How our lives are a platform for you to be represented to others. Father, I just thank you for courage and boldness over your body, over this church. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us and for us. And if you are for us, nothing can stand against us. I thank you that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that gives us courage and boldness, gives us words of knowledge to speak out so we don't have to be so worried and overthinking all the process of things. We can just simply trust in you. Father, show us how can we can be a blessing to others. Thank you, Father, for this hope that you have given us. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. 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 You know, one last thing I want to leave with you in this book I've been reading called Bless. Um, the author says, he, as he spends time with God every morning in his notebook, right before he finishes, he writes, how can I be a blessing today? And then simply waits for two, three minutes in silence and see if God drops a name or an action, go to a place. It might be anything, but he just waits. And, and, and the story he just shares on the back of simply doing that, of, you know, it can be as simple. One of the story was as simple as him saying, hey, just text this person. And, and that led to a meeting. And then they had the, the guy really needed to open up and needed help and they could pray together. And so I encourage you to do the same. You know, in your time with God, just, just be asking him at the end, whenever, at whatever moment feels right. Hey, God, how can I be a blessing to those around me today? Because every day our lives can be a source of blessing to others. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.